afternoon, good evening. This is Dove Tuzman and you are on equal footing. This is a pre-recorded intro because we had audio difficulties this evening on the show and for the first six or seven minutes we were off the air. The All of the phone lines into the central studio we record in Brooklyn went down all of a sudden. It affected the whole talk line network and on this clearer intro recording you can probably hear my congestion. I apologize for that. A little bit under the weather. Well, tonight's show is worth tuning into into despite the audio difficulties. It's called Abracadabra, the paranormal in Jewish thought. And I'm joined by, on this show, by Rabbi Pinchas Taylor. And I really give props to Rabbi Taylor, who is a uh, renowned uh, author, uh, lecturer. He wrote a best-selling book called The Jewish Guide to the Mysterious, which you can pick up on Amazon. Again, that's A Jewish Guide to the Mysterious. I give props to him because while coming from an orthodox rabbinical background, he's also willing to delve into these areas that a lot of us have questions about when it comes to Jewish folklore and mythology, but are, are, are embarrassed to often ask about. That's the paranormal. There's a lot of interesting aspects, let's say, around uh, Jewish thought and the supernatural. We've got lots of angels and demons in our sacred texts in Judaism. Uh, We've also got a lot of stuff going on with the dead. Uh, The idea, we're going to touch in the show on the concepts of Ibur and Dibuk, which are these concepts of souls, itinerant souls, both uh, benevolent and malevolent occupying bodies on earth to complete work that those souls didn't complete when they were alive. Or in the case of Dibuk, where malevolent souls occupy um, bodies where they're just kind of here to wreak havoc, <laughs> these, these wicked uh, sparks or wicked elements of the, of the universe manifested in a particular soul. We also talk about the concept of the golem or sometimes pronounced golem, this idea of a being that's brought to life through incantation, through magic. Uh, even Frankenstein is a concept that we'll get into the show that comes out of uh, Jewish uh, thought and Kabbalistic uh, belief. Sometime we'll do a show in the future on intro to Kabbalah, uh, the mystical end of Judaism. We've had demand for that in the past, but based on things we've done in the past on this on this program around uh, the concepts of heaven and hell and Judaism and, and in other uh, religions as well as the uh, angels and demons in different faiths. Remember, this show is not just for Jewish people. Uh, in fact, what we're trying to do is kind of open up to some extent at some of these shows the, the, uh, the, 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 the Jewish locker <laughs> of these ideas and mystical beliefs for a broader audience. And it's also refreshing it for people that, that, that observe, uh, the, the Jewish faith and, we're also going to address um, some of the uh, little kind of the wackier fringe a little bit uh, on the show of uh, the supernatural. But at the same time, Rabbi Taylor, who I'll formally introduce in a sec, will bring us back to the underlying spiritual meaning behind some of these supernatural references in Jewish thought and Jewish folklore. So without further ado, Rabbi Pinchas Taylor uh, has his graduate 
degree from the Rabbinical College of America. He has been a rabbinical, uh, he's performed rabbinical projects and outreach in Alaska, California, Florida, Hawaii, even overseas in Russia and Greece. He's the Director of Adult Education and Outreach at Chabad Lubavitch of Plantation, Florida. Uh, he lectures in all sorts of formats, digitally and, and uh, in, in, in person, uh, to tens of thousands of, of, of people uh, online and in in variety of, of venues where he, streaks, he seeks not only to educate, but also to motivate and entertain. He considers himself not just uh, a rabbi that focuses on spiritual growth and Jewish learning, but also a life coach who inspires people to strive for greatness and for personal growth in, in the secular world. He is willing to get into fascinating, fascinating, obscure, and even exclusive uh, topics like the one we're talking about tonight in terms of the supernatural without kind of getting, uh, getting lost or getting, uh, too, uh, I don't know, kind of too, too Hollywood in, in, in his view, kind of always bringing us back to the underlying, underlying mystical uh, meanings. I encourage listeners to check out Rabbi Taylor at pinchastaylor.com. That's P-I-N-C-H-A-S taylor.com. And also to check out his program that's available on a lot of the socials and online called Taylor Talks, T-A-Y-L-O-R, Taylor Talks, which provides weekly inspiration, not only promotes Jewish values, but really universal moral values and themes. And he, on his show, Taylor Talks, has uh, regularly has celebrity guests and athletes and other public figures on his show to help frame the themes that he's that he's covering. And Rabbi Taylor has six kids, God bless him, uh, and is also a member of the American Counseling Association and the Association for Conflict Resolution. And, and I just found out this earlier today, is a avid collector of uh, American historical memorabilia. Rabbi Taylor, ironically, when you say, you know what, you wouldn't advise that people kind of get into this too much, that's been part of the fascination in popular culture about Kabbalah. As people say, you know what, you're not supposed to study this. It can be kind of dangerous. It reminds me of of uh, you know, the, uh, the 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 Harrison what's that, what's that Harrison Ford character, you know, who's the, the idea that that you're kind of um, you can be harmed by that which is mysterious and and, and 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 mystical, and that probably piques people's interest even more. And people, you know. I wasn't even aware before some of the, the, the pregame research for this show, Rabbi Taylor, that the concept of the of Frankenstein, the concept of the life that is brought uh, brought into being by words like abracadabra, uh, the concept of the golem, that I knew was a Jewish concept. But all of these things originate in Jewish mysticism. So understanding that there's a deeper you know, mystical lesson here, and we're not doing a show on Kabbalah particularly. Um, give us a sense of, of of how this stuff fits in. This this idea of let's start with the, let's start with the, the simplest abracadabra. Where does that where does that come from? Which in, in popular culture we associate with magic. I understand that's actually a Aramaic and 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 an ancient kind of Jewish philosophical uh, uh, phrase. Yeah, I mean, there are those that link the words abracadabra to an Aramaic phrase, which means, uh, basically, as I create, uh, from, uh, I create from my words. 
essentially. Um, meaning that the words that I'm going to say are going to create something. There's a big difference between a mystic and a magician. Uh, in, in the same, the difference between a mystic and a magician is along the same lines as the difference between love and lust. The outwardly, the expressions can be uh, very similar. Someone loves someone or is in lust with somebody. They can send them flowers. They can give them compliments and gifts. But the intention behind it is 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 night and day. And so, uh, magic for personal purposes by the unrighteous is something forbidden. Is something. Uh, not allowed for the average person uh, to, to be engaging in. Mysticism by the right people, the righteous people who have made themselves into the uh, proper conduit for these things and are known to have the correct intentions can are allowed to engage in these activities. Except, except these days, it's not a very common thing that you would find people righteous enough that are engaging in, in these types of things in a kosher way. So let's let's take a step back because most of our listeners are, you know, we have many listeners who aren't Jewish, and most of our listeners probably are less concerned with, you know, whether they're advised to do it or certain circumstance, and more interested perhaps in the in the historical context, like the, the fact that abracadabra is from the Aramaic and has roots in in, in Jewish thought is itself uh, interesting. Talk, let's talk for a moment about the concept of soul and body possession that is that is so popular in like the horror genres in popular culture, the idea of possession and exorcism. Uh, and my understanding is that in in mystical Jewish thought, there's it isn't necessarily negative that there are two kinds of uh, possession, so to speak. There's the positive of, of of ibur, which is like a, a, a benevolent possession, and dibuk, which is a, a, a malevolent possession. Am I, am, am I right? Are there different? Talk to us about soul and body possession. Sure. So, like most things along these lines, it's not the way that it is in the movies. Um, the devil's not around every corner that we have to be afraid of. And uh, and if we look the wrong way, the devil's going to jump inside of us and start making us act like. Uh, bad people. The the idea of of, of a book or evil is very much connected with the idea of reincarnation. And reincarnation is um, is an idea where the soul is given uh, an opportunity to correct itself. Uh, every soul is is charged in this life with a mission. And when a person completes their lifetime, the soul is judged based on how it how it uh, mission, whether it did things that it shouldn't have done, uh, whether it left things undone. Um, and one of the corrective measures can be that the soul returns, or a spark of the soul returns into a body. Um, when it comes to an ebor. So, sorry, the, the, the soul is returning to the body to kind of complete the work that it needed to do in this world? Something left undone or to correct something that was done that was not supposed to be done, like a person transgressed and didn't repent for it, so that soul uh, has sort of a stain on it. 
there's gotcha. different processes in the afterlife as far as uh, correcting the soul. And one of the options, one of the available routes is through a Gilgal, through through a, a, a unrefined spark becoming an, incarnate into another, either another, a full other identity um, or in the case of an Ebor, uh, part of somebody else's life experience. So, Rabbi Taylor, we, previously on the show, we've talking, we've, talk, we've spoken about the concept of tikkun rectification, tikkun olam, like fixing the world. Is this is this idea of a soul needing to complete work or rectifying? Is that related to the concept in Judaism of of tikkun and and tikkun olam? Uh, yeah, the the concept of tikkun olam from a Kabbalistic standpoint, is the elevation of all souls and the elevation of all aspects of the world. And ultimately, when every soul has done its job, all of existence will be uplifted and be a reflection of godliness. Uh, that is that is the ultimate in the phrase. Usually the, the term that's used today, tikkun olam, is, is used in a very... Um, is used in a very different way than it's meant in Kabbalistic literature, and it's used today to be sort of some uh, vague uh, shooting towards some vague social justice uh, imperatives, whereas the Kabbalistic terminology is something much more in line with refining the world based on the way that the Torah instructs. Gotcha. So I, I, we're, I'm here with Rabbi Pinchas Taylor. I apologize to everybody for some of the audio issues, the echo. First time ever in my experience of the show over the years, we were, our, our lines completely went down on the network. So we're doing this by IP. So please bear with us a little bit of this echo. Rabbi Taylor is a renowned author, uh, wrote the best-selling book, A Jewish Guide to the Mysterious. He's a, uh, a teacher. helps tie some of these uh, mystical concepts with the practical world of of our Jewish life. And if you're not Jewish, some new stuff here you probably haven't heard before about the tying together of some popular culture concepts of uh, soul and body possession, the golem, even Frankenstein and so forth, some originate in, in odd ways in, in Jewish philosophy. I interrupted you before, Rabbi, and you were about to, I think, get into the concept of dibuk, which is like, as I understand it, a more malevolent form of of, uh, of body possession. Right. One of the corrective measures that can be can be utilized, or even as a, a form of punishment, is that the soul is sent down into the body of a wicked person and causes all sorts of wreaks all sorts of havoc. Uh, again, this is not something that is widespread. Certainly, uh, virtually non-existent, non-existent today. Um, but it was, it was something that did exist every once in a while and would be identified by, uh, an appropriate righteous individual. And, uh, that was, there was, there were corrective measures and rituals that this righteous individual would use to expel that spirit, um, and, and, and help it to achieve its proper place and get to where it needs to go. Um, but Rabbi, what? I never thought I'd be asking a question like this on, on the radio, but just to understand, is it the, in the concept of dibuk, uh, of where there's this connection between a, a, a body is possessed, is it, is it a, a, a kind of demonic element or a malevolent, malevolent element occupying, uh, 
a, a neutral or good person's body or is it uh, a neutral element occupying a wicked person's body? It's it, it's usually talking about a the, the soul sparks of a a wicked person who was alive uh, now occupying the body of someone who or now occupying the soul space uh, within the person of someone who is also a wicked person. Uh, that's it's not like if someone is just walking along the street and all of a sudden boom they're hit by a you know a, a demonic force or the wicked soul of somebody who passed away this is not something that happened this was this is an orchestrated form of uh correction for the soul of, of the or, or punishment for the soul for the sake of later correction um nothing is outside of the scope of god's orchestration so it's not like you have just a bunch of souls wandering around who decide to possess people uh, at any given time and it's something that we have to look over our shoulder about this is something that in our generation because of our low spiritual stature as well is something that's almost unheard of gotcha if you are tuning in right now on air you've got a lot of interesting stuff going on first of all you've got this echo on the air because we're doing this by IP. We had an issue at the studio uh, right before the show. It's affected the, the whole network. And uh, you're, we're also talking about some esoteric stuff. We're talking about the paranormal in, in Jewish thought. And, and Rabbi Pinchas Taylor has been so gracious in allowing me to, to ask these things that I've been curious about for some time. We're going to take our first break in a minute. I hope you can hear us all right on the air. You can text in comments or questions on the paranormal in Jewish uh, thought, in Jewish folklore, uh, Jewish philosophy. Text your comments or questions to 917-428-4062. Uh, it's 917-428-4062. You can send in by SMS or by WhatsApp. I'm not even going to bother giving out our, our number to call in because, as my understanding, we're not up and running on the switchboard right now. So we'll be back in a couple minutes on equal footing talking about abracadabra. The paranormal in Jewish thought. We'll be right back. All right. Well, this very interesting and somewhat challenging episode of Equal Footing is brought to you by Mechanical Art Capital. And Mechanical Art Capital, as you've heard before, has been a sponsor of Equal Footing for some time, offers practically overnight maximum two-day financing to watch collectors and watch dealers from anywhere in the world. You can unlock, unlock the cash value of your inventory, if you are a watch dealer or your collection, if you're a watch collector, through Mechanical Art Capital's easy buyback contracts. Just download the Mechanical Art Capital app. You can find it by just typing in Mechanical Art Capital on the App Store on an Android phone or an iOS device. And very quickly, just upload the information about the pieces you're interested in. You get an appraisal, which also has value. You can use it for insurance, et cetera. And you can get quick financing to do an improvement on home, buy another timepiece, you know, collect art, whatever you want to do with the cash. 
Mechanical Art Capital doesn't care. You can borrow or, or use this financing tool for up to a year. It's not technically borrowing. I should be clear. It's done through a, a buyback structure. Call 833-209-0972. That's 833-209-0972 for more information about Mechanical Art Capital or go to mechanicalartcapital.com or download the app Mechanical Art Capital on your smartphone. You can get it at no cost. Uh, so check out Mechanical Art Capital, 833-209-0972. I've been Back on Equal Footing, and I'm Dove Tuzman, and I'm here with Rabbi Pinchas Taylor, who is braving the uh, the audio difficulties. Thank you, by the way, to those listeners who have sent me messages saying you can hear us clearly. So I guess maybe I'm just hearing the echo, <laughs> so I'll stop complaining. Uh, Rabbi Taylor, it's like, I, I hope this isn't a crass joke, but I feel like there's some, it may be some Ibor going on here, because I don't, I, I normally, anybody who knows me, you know, I'd be incredible. Incredibly anxious about the situation where we moved over to Zoom right before we went on the air talking about such a touchy subject. But um, if you if you can keep up with it, I can. Okay, I want to get. I know that you're. We've gone into some of the more racy stuff. Uh, let's do one more on that front in terms of the Jewish paranormal, so to speak, and then let's get a little bit into the deeper meaning of this stuff because it isn't you know about ultimately. Um, you know, uh, golems and goblins and possessed souls and all this stuff. Hollywood loves that stuff. And maybe like so many other things as a, as a Jewish people, we've, we've given the world these, these concepts. Um, one more of these. And then as, as I said, let's get into the spiritual Frankenstein. Can you tie together for the audience the myth, the, the literary figure of Frankenstein and Jewish folklore and thought? Um, sure. I mean, they, they say that the concept of Frankenstein, where they have this like creature, this monster creature that's created in a lab, you know, is something that is connected with the idea of the Jewish golem. The, the golem of Prague is, 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 uh, is extremely uh, popular in, in folklore. Uh, the idea of the Maharal creating this entity and using all sorts of uh, Kabbalistic, mystical uh, names and whatnot, ritual to, to make this pile of mud, essentially, into a living creature to create a purpose. It's not the only time in our tradition where we see uh, an idea of a golem being made by a righteous individual. It, it's the most famous because there were some literary writings on it in the early part of the 20th century, but it's something that is... Um, that was borrowed by Hollywood in things like Frankenstein, or I think there's even a Harry Potter um, character called Golem. So it it, sure. it stands everywhere. <laughs> and the the you know, one of the things you said before is that I'm paraphrasing here, Rabbi Taylor, because you know while this stuff may be very piquant uh, and, and awaken our curiosity, a lot of it was kind of back in the day in Jewish thought and, and not something that we believe happens in, in contemporary reality, the possession of, uh, of souls by, or possession of bodies by uh, formerly living kind of w- wicked souls or righteous souls to, to either in the latter case, complete 
some good action on earth and rectify a wrong or in the former case, maybe to wreak havoc. Uh, the, the idea of the, the golem, the, even the concept of abracadabra kind of by, by saying words, you create, create something that these are, these are outdated. These are things that existed a long time ago that don't, that don't exist in our current world. And I remember it from Hebrew school and even as an adult, you know, studying issues of, uh, around, um, you know, our sacred texts in the Jewish faith, I find often some of the more interesting and weird stuff you're told, you know what, that was back in the day. <laughs> you know, the sacrifice, yeah, that was before, you know, that now that the temple's not around, we don't do that stuff anymore. And it, and I, I'm saying it's a very, uh, uh, perhaps ignorant, no, probably def- definitely ignorant, but flipping, it kind of feels like the most interesting stuff gets discarded as, you know, we don't do that anymore. That doesn't happen anymore. Is that the same way we should view magic or the paranormal in Jewish belief? Or are there things that are still uh, happening or things that, 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 that in Jewish belief we think are, are, are still going on around us and, and helping our spiritual growth? The paranormal, that is. Well, so here, let, let's, let's analyze the reason why it's not really a thing that's practiced today. Not, it's not because we've become so uh, sophisticated that we don't believe in these things anymore. It's not like that at all, actually. In the same way that in the scientific community, there's a, a belief in evolution, right? The idea that we, we started off as very primitive and, and then made our way to much more sophisticated creatures biologically. The, the same thing applies spiritually, but in reverse, a devolution of sorts. So, so you start with Adam and Eve, who are the quintessence of everything that a human being can achieve, spirituality-wise and uh, human human existence-wise. They're literally formed by the hand of God, for lack of a better term, and breathe the breath of life. To, uh, God, God breathes the breath of life directly into right. them. So, I mean, that is the ultimate, the apex of spirituality. And so as the generations go on, their children, their children's children, there's a devolution of spirituality. And their, their spiritual perception and sensitivity goes down gradually throughout the generations. The same thing can be said about the generation that received the Torah at Mount Sinai. That was the apex of spiritual experience, right? The, the greatest spiritual experience that ever happened in the world, God revealing himself publicly in front of a nation to give the law, the ultimate in spiritual experiences. And so each generation is one generation removed from that, meaning they're one generation more coarse, more more uh, calloused from spiritual experience. And so, uh, and so as time goes by, the ability to achieve spiritual heights, the sensitivity to be able to tap into these to these spiritual energies is lessened. We, we don't have that side of, sort of sensitivity anymore. So in earlier generations where you had prophets running around and uh, open miracles and things that we were worthy of because of our great spiritual stature, well, to preserve free will, God also creates an environment where we have equal opportunity and equal accessibility and equal desire for the bad stuff. Or, or that we have, that we have, uh, that we're equally susceptible. So in other words, God always wants to preserve our free will. But if you have prophets and open miracles happening, you don't really have free will if there's not something on the opposite side of the spectrum to sort of counteract that. So and you so, kind of get lazy. 
Well, no, you, you, you won't have free will anymore because if only good stuff happens, like it is all, every time you have a problem, you go to the prophet and the prophet helps you or, or there's open miracles happening all around. So there's, you're losing your sense of free will because you're only inclination and susceptibility to the good. So in those generations, it's also to keep free will and to keep an, a balance in the world that there was also susceptibility to things like magic, you know, black magic and uh, demons and all sorts of negative influences in the world. So as the generations have continued and spiritually in the realm of holiness, we're no longer sensitive enough to have prophecy and open miracles and all of these holy, high and holy spiritual delights. We're also in the, in the, on the other side of the spectrum, we are not susceptible to uh, a lot of the bad, malevolent spiritual forces as well. It's so I'm going to dumb, I'm going to dumb this down for a second, Rabbi Taylor. Is, is, sure. is the is one way that that I can I got to dumb it down for my understanding. <laughs> so is one way to think about this that you know in ancient times there. We, we didn't maybe have as much power around the, it was the same technology, the same powers of civilization, same powers of communication. So, you know, God's activity in the world, I'm talking about according to, to Jewish thought, uh, was more active on both sides. There's like the, the, the prophets uh, channeling the, the positive messages and guidance. There are demons running around, kind of, you know, exerting malevolent influence because in a certain sense, we need to get like bonked over the head by both the good and the bad. And now have we evolved more? It lo- and, and, and there's an ability now to discern things more through even you know, dialogues like this and modern technology and discourse across different cultures and so forth. Is that, is that one way to think about it or am I, am I off base? I, I think, I think actually quite the opposite. We've devolved spiritually. That we're, we're no longer evolved. privy of okay, I guess I misheard you. I thought you said evolved. Okay, no, 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 I got it evolved. wrong. Entirely right. wrong. Right. So, the, in other words, the earlier generations had a greater spiritual sensitivity because they were much greater. Uh, they, they had much greater spiritual stature. And every generation that that's, that's, uh, that continues on, we have less spiritual sensitivity. And so, again, that's why we no longer have these open miracles and we don't longer have prophets running around. Our sensitivity towards spirituality of what we can perceive is, has been greatly reduced. We're very callous spiritual people. Uh, and so, I mean, the kind of, the kind of silver lining in that is that we're also not subject to the malevolent, the, the, the demonic or the magic forces that were relevant on the other side of the spectrum. So, if anything, I would say, I mean, technology is more of a distraction, per se, to, to our spiritual growth than, uh, than, uh, than anything else. I, I would say that, that that's a more of a, I, I'd say that we have smartphones, but a lot of dumb people. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, so just because we have technology and the availability to, um, communicate better and to, to do certain things, to do many things, uh, much better, Spiritually, we are much lower, in much lower place than we were in prior generations. Yeah. Rabbi Taylor, we, we, we have a, a listener that sent in a real time question on this. I'll, I'll put it out there to you and then, and then we'll take an ad break and give you a chance to digest it. Uh, I'm going to sure. uh, shorten it a little bit. 
but the uh, it's kind of a comments left question, Rabbi, and don't, please don't take any offense. It says, how can the rabbi say we've devolved if in ancient times very few people could even read? So no one had even access to the spiritual practices, and some some of those practices are mentioned, certain prayers and and so forth. So, yeah, you know, maybe you can help us understand that. Uh, certainly, uh, there was only a small percentage of of, of people who were uh, who were even knew the the words to certain certain prayers, at least in the in the, in the Jewish system of thought. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back with Rabbi Pinchas Taylor. We're talking about the paranormal in Jewish thought. Abracadabra. We'll be right back. Equal Footing with Dove Tuzman is sponsored by MDCS Dermatology, your experts in skin care. With two Manhattan locations and four offices in Long Island, including Plainview and Comac, the dermatologists and skincare surgeons at MDCS are proud to be affiliated with the Albert Einstein College of Medicine and New York Presbyterian Hospital. So schedule your next skin exam in one of MDCS's convenient New York area locations. To make an appointment, go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-DERM. That's 212-661-3376. You can even schedule a virtual video visit with MDCS's board-certified dermatologists from the comfort and safety of your own home. So go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-3376. And don't forget to mention Equal Footing for 15% off all cosmetic procedures. Okay, you're back on equal footing. I'm Dove Tuzman. We're talking about the paranormal in Jewish thought, and we are challenged a little bit on the audio side. We had a little bit of an issue in the studio, so please bear with us. We're not able to take live callers this week, but we can take questions and comments to nine. You can just text them either by SMS or WhatsApp to 917-428-4062. That's 917-428-4062. Rabbi Taylor is a best-selling author, wrote A Jewish Guide to the Mysterious. He's a teacher. Rabbi Taylor, before the break, that, that, uh, that question I thought was a pretty good one, uh, asking, you know, if, if we've devolved spiritually over the ages, uh, it, do, it doesn't seem so intuitively. I mean, we're, we're overall much more educated, much more access to spiritual practice. And, and uh, you know, help, help us reconcile that. Sure. So we have to think of spiritual sensitivity as almost like a sixth sense. So in the same way that we have five senses, sight and hearing and smelling, like those are, those are certain perceptions that we're able to perceive about the world around us. Imagine you had a sixth sense that was a certain degree of spiritual sensitivity, but for whatever reason, it got calloused and not really able to to feel and experience spirituality in the same way. This, it doesn't really have anything to do with how much you know and how much you don't know, just how much uh, spiritual sensitivity you you have. And for a person a person who's blind, it's not that they don't know and you know they they know or they don't know. It's it's that they've lost that certain sense, that ability to see. 
so the the, sp- the spiritual sensitivity and devolution that we're talking about um, is, is something that isn't necessarily uh, connected 100% with things that we know and things we don't know. And just because we have also access to a lot more information doesn't necessarily mean that um, we are smarter because of it. There's also a, a lot of acceptability to misinformation. Uh, a person can be very, very full uh, and also malnourished at the same time. You know, it, it, they're not mutually exclusive types of things. You can be you you can be not hungry because you ate a lot, but you could also be malnourished. And a lot of the information that we have, uh, and that a lot of people um, are, you know, we talked about, we have all this ac- all this access to all the world's information. That's true. But why are we also kind of uh, dumber in, in many ways than they were in prior generations? With things like right, even well, common sense, you know. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a tough one. It's it's it, because certainly we wouldn't want to go back to a world where ninety five percent of the population is illiterate either. Uh, Rabbi Taylor, let's switch gears for a sec. We have a, a listeners asked about a movie from last year called The Vigil, uh, that's based on the uh, ancient Jewish practice of of Shemira, or it's the the vigilance over the over the dead and the in the brief period after death and before. Before burial, I kind of alluded to it at the outset of the show, and thank you, listener, for pointing out that I didn't get back to us. Back to this this topic. I'm not sure if you've seen the movie, Rabbi, uh, but it, it's you know it, it is a it is a, you know obviously it takes a lot of creative license and there's there's uh, all sorts of uh, demonic elements involved. It's a horror movie, but talk to us about Shamira. How has that been in the past? What is that today? Sure. So I, I mean, I. I have not seen the movie, and to to be honest, I haven't even heard of the movie. But um, that's if we're talking about just the practice of shmirah. So there, there are practical elements, like like every everything in the Torah has a practical element to it, something that we can relate to in a superficial way that makes very pragmatic, practical sense. And then there is a spiritual element. So something like shmirah, gar, the guardian. Uh, guarding a a person who has passed away until they're well, buried. I should have I should have allowed you to explain that. What is Shemira? Because we have non-Jewish listeners as well. Even even people who are Jewish may not even know of of this practice. What what is it? Sure, this is a practice where a, a person who has passed away is is uh, attended to, is guarded over by somebody in, in the community. Usually, our communities have uh, groups of people that are specializing, are dedicating themselves to uh, caring for those who have passed away. They make sure that they're uh, ritually cleaned and prepared for their uh, their burial. They're wrapped in their in their proper uh, garments that that are traditional to be used. These are all all part of the process from when a person passes away until the burial takes place. So in that interlude, and we try to do it as, as soon as possible, in in the in the uh, intermediary time in between, we we have somebody who uh, sits there and is vigilant over the body uh, on a very again on a very pragmatic way. We regard them from any sort of uh, physical harm. We don't want uh, you know um, mice or rats to. To, to come around, you know, to, to bother them, to disturb them. Uh, but all, in an historical sense as well, it is a time of fear. It is a time where being that the 
the person is in a sort of different state of being. Their their neshama, their soul, uh, has essentially left their body. And they're they're susceptible. There's like a vacuum created. They're susceptible towards uh, negative spiritual forces. Again, we we so with the what the person who's who's uh, attending to them, it will say certain prayers, psalms, uh, to in order to sort of spiritually guard over the body as well to protect to protect right. it to, to make it to instead of it there being this uh vacuum created of all of this holy energy that's been that that has now gone away is this creates a uh a, a spiritual light if you will that dispels any sort of dark forces right. that might uh well, try to cause any i don't want to I don't want to dwell on this, but uh, just while you were talking, I did look. I was able to confirm that it is it is a movie, uh, 2020. It's on Netflix, and I, and it seems to be that the theme has to do with the uh, the possession of the body while the soul is transitioning, and that the body is very vulnerable to possession in transitionary period. Is that is is that part of of Jewish thought at all, Rabbi, or is that just a Hollywood creative license where they where they leave the where they leave reality behind, I'd imagine a lot of it is, is Hollywood license. But again, there is a susceptibility towards, yeah, towards negative energy, if you will. And that's why we have a, a person to recite prayers and to add in that, add in like the realm of light, if you will, uh, to dispel any sort of right. uh, dark or dangerous uh, forces out there. But no, we, we're not, we're not really actively concerned that, the, the body is going to be enlivened by some sort of, uh, you know, devil spirit and, uh, you know, stand up and, and start like, you know, zombie killing people or whatever. What that's not, that's not a, that's not a concern of ours. It's, it's that when a person lives a life, your, your soul is charged with the mission. You added holiness to the world through uh, fulfilling your soul's mission. And then when the soul is no longer a part of the body, there is a vacuum created, a vacuum, an emptiness of holiness. That's one of the reasons, by the way, that we that we say that the loved ones that are left behind say Kaddish for the for the the person that passed away. The Kaddish right. is a special prayer that talks about the exaltedness of God, and so that person, whoever passed away, spends X amount of years throughout their life exalting God, bringing God's glory to the world. Well, now that they've passed away, there's a vacuum created in the world from that soul no longer impacting it. And so by the loved ones joining in and adding an extra prayer, this Kaddish, which talks about the exaltedness of God, it has nothing to do with death per se. Um, It's just uh, underscoring the idea of the exaltedness of God. So that it it must be, it must be key because it's, 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 I believe the only prayer that's done repetitively in every single, every single service and it's for this purpose it adds in the exaltedness of god it, it brings uh, a light uh, back to the world an added light to the world that has been uh, taken away and, and, and a vacuum created by the person passing away let's take a couple of other questions i'm really grateful to our listeners this evening being patient with our uh, audio uh, difficulties we'll be, we'll be back normal god willing next week but we've got a lot of texts and, and uh, text comments and questions instead of, of calls. Uh, here's one. Um, this listener uh, qualifies himself as a reformed Jew, uh, not did not have a formal Jewish education, 
Uh, and this show is interesting because I always thought that Christianity was where exorcism came from and where angels and demons existed. And what I'm hearing here is maybe it comes from Judaism. So what, what do you say to that, to that listener, Rabbi? Is this, are these concepts in the Judeo Christian system, uh, really rooted more in, 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 in Torah and in, in, in the Jewish, uh, side of the beginning of the tree or do they get more evolved and fundamentally changed and as the as the tree evolves and ultimately there's you know the Christian branch. Sure. So uh, uh, whoever asked that, thanks for the question. Um, a, a very a very good question, I think. Um, and, and something I think something to 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 consider is that a lot of the things that that many Jews think that we as Jews don't believe in. It's not that we don't believe in these things. It's just that the way in which they're depicted, either in the movies or by other faiths, it's not that type. So for example, a lot of Jews don't, a lot of Jews don't realize that Jews believe in a form of hell where the soul is sort of punished for, uh, things that it did that's, that, that did wrong throughout the course of its life. And so the, the hell experience is not devils and pitchforks and lava and goblins as it is in other faiths or in the way that movies depict it. It's more a right. soul experience, an experience of embarrassment, an experience of, of, of spiritual shame and having not fulfilled its, its mission properly. It's a very painful experience. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I'd much rather uh, sometimes physical pain than emotional pain or spiritual pain. I mean, the, it's the, the degree at which it, it irks your core is much greater than than you know hurting yourself physically. So right, we did a we did a show uh, last I think it was early this year actually around concepts of heaven and hell and different and different religious beliefs and and you're absolutely right. I mean, one of the things that came out of that rabbi was the the certainty that a hell where you have pain and a heaven where you have pleasure, um, you know, provides a, a, a palliative. And and when things are a little bit more gray and more about our soul's journey. And the, you know, rectification or need, things need to be rectified and a more, a more subtle view of consequence, which I think is the Jewish view, if you, if you'll permit me to say it so bluntly, is, um, in a, is, is, is in a certain sense more scary. <laughs> At least it's more responsibility. Free will is a bigger part of it. And I want to just take other listeners comment before the final break on this topic of, of free will. And, uh, th- th- this listener says a few, a few programs ago, uh, someone told us about angels in Judaism and that they would be less evolved than humans because they don't have free will and humans have free will. Can you come back to that and ask the rabbi? Uh, I'm sorry. Can you, can you, can you, re- can you repeat that question? It, 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 it got cut out a little bit. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry. I know we're having audio difficulties. So the listener says a few programs ago, someone told us about angels in Judaism and that they are less evolved than humans since angels do not have free will. Can we come back to that? Can you ask the rabbi? Sure. Uh, yeah, angels, uh, angels do not have free will. The only, uh, the, 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 the apex of creation is the human being that has free will, that, uh, that, ha- that can make moral, moral choices, choose right versus wrong. Uh, an angel doesn't have that power. It's nature. Is only to do good. It has no inclination to do the wrong thing. It has no, uh, you know, force inside of it. And uh, in, in, in fact, it's it's kind of like a, if you will, a spiritual animal. An animal 
only acts according to its pre-programmed nature. So uh, a lion is not a murderer for devouring a lamb, and a lamb is not a martyr for being devoured. It's it's just they're acting according to the nature in which they were sort of pre-programmed to do. We don't we don't uh, challenge an alligator when an alligator bites a human being. We're not all upset that the alligator didn't call upon its uh, higher, more noble forces inside of it and decide not to bite the human being, because we we don't recognize that an alligator, if you get in close proximity to it, it's going to bite you. That's what it does. But a human being can always, d- despite you know it, its inclination to do things that are wrong or or counter to Torah, can always choose to do the right thing. Might some sometimes things are are harder choice to make depending on our nature and our nurture, but our but our ability to choose never goes away. And so an angel doesn't have that choice, which is why the concept of angels also in our faith, we believe in angels. And it's not, it's not, again, it's not the way in which it's depicted in the movies. It's not winged babies playing the harp uh, while floating on a cloud. Right. You know, it is, it is a mechanism. Yeah, that, God... that, that cherubim or these, these little baby angels are really a function more of Renaissance art. <laughs> they are, they are right. kind of, uh, you know, philosophical grounding. Yeah. And, Rabbi, yeah, so on this, on this that, point yeah. that, that this lister br- brings up on the show that we had on angels and demons, one question I want to ask since we're, we're talking here with Rabbi Pinchas Taylor, best-selling author, addresses the issues of uh, paranormal in, in Jewish thought is if angels and demons are both, both lack free will, they're, they're both kind of subordinate to, to human beings and in, 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 in kind of the creative hierarchy. How are they? I know one, you know, as an influence of good and the other influence of evil, but I wanted to ask this on the question, on the, this question uh, on the program we had on angels and demons. In, in your view of Jewish thought and the paranormal, how do they rank? I mean, are angels and demons of the same rank? Are they of equal power? Uh, I mean, they're not, they're not like going, they're not going to war with each other. So here, here's how an angel works and you can, you can derive what a demon is based on just sort of the opposite. So an angel is a mechanism. Um, so what that means is that when we are going from infinite godly energy, who God cannot be defined by, uh, by any definition, when we're going from infinite God to finite world, there has to be sort of a, uh, a devolution that it could be understood and expressed in the physical world. And I'll give you an example of how that works. Imagine you have this unlimited emotion in yourself of love. And um, you love your, you love, your, pick, pick the object of your affection, your, your wife, your mother, whoever. In order to express this feeling of love, which cannot be quantified, you can't touch it, you can't see it, what you have to do is you have to channel that love in a way that it can be understood and expressed and comprehended by the other person. So the way in which you do that, you might give them a hug. And by you wrapping your arms around them, that conveys this, this uh, unquantifiable feeling, unquantifiable feeling uh, of love that you, that you have. So it's through the action of the hug or through the, the candies or the compliments or the, whatever it is. Those are mechanisms that enable you as, as an individual to bestow that type of emotion onto the other person in a way that it can be perceived and understood by them. And so an angel is a mechanism. An angel is not a winged baby. 
that uh, that sits that plays the harp and sits on clouds. It is a mechanism that God uses to uh, bring blessing into the world in a way that it can be manifest in a physical way. So the, they're just agents. Both the angels and demons are just agents, and it's really not a matter of they don't have any essential essence. Correct. It's they're they're not they're not constantly like warring with each other in the heavens, and it's not it's nothing like that. They are strictly mechanisms to convey God's bounty uh, into the world. They 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 course in the energy, if you will, to allow it to be expressed in physical terms. Interesting stuff. I wish we had a lot more time. We're going to take our last break and we're back with Rabbi Pinchas Taylor talking about the paranormal in Jewish thought. We'll be right back. Equal Footing is also brought to you by DocuVax. Got to check out the new DocuVax app. You can download it on your Android phone or your Apple phone. It's D-O-C-U-V-A-X. You can also go to DocuVax.com. DocuVax allows you to easily organize your medical records on your smartphone or on your, your laptop and validate those records at any time with a medical professional. 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, you can get a vaccination record, an MRI, an x-ray result, serology, a blood test, preventative screening, exam results, whatever, validated for you to bring to a new health provider, show to a new insurance company, if you're doing it for your child, prove uh, certain immunizations for school, whatever. Medical records belong to you. They do not belong to the government. They don't belong to your insurance company. They don't even belong to your doctor. They can handle them. They can store them. But you should have all of your medical records in one place in a secure HIPAA-compliant storage, digital storage facility, accessible to you and shareable the way you want using DocuVax's proprietary QR code-based system where you can show it if you're entering a restaurant or a concert venue like you have to do in New York State now. You can show that you're vaccinated for COVID or whatever you need to do without giving away other information, your date of birth or other medical information. And it's only it only belongs to you, and it's very affordable. As low as $6.99 per month, you can have all of your medical records in one place and, again, have them validated by doctors and nurses that are on call for you 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Just imagine the savings of that relative even to saving yourself one general practitioner appointment to get a reference to a specialist. Take control of your medical file. Download the DocuVax app on your smartphone. That's D-O-C-U-V-A-X. Or go to DocuVax.com. I've been caught. Well, wouldn't you know it, here we are near the end of the hour, and we finally got some of this audio stuff worked out. Rabbi Pinchas Taylor, you are a superstar. Thank you very much for being on the program, talking about the paranormal 
in Jewish thought, doing it delicately with an understanding that it isn't, while it's very piquant, while it obviously raises uh, our curiosity, um, it's also part of a, of a deep spiritual current of, uh, of, of learning, of, uh, rectification of our wrongs, and it really speaks to a mystical journey. Sometime we're going to do an intro to Kabbalah, uh, program, and I'd love to invite you on, Rabbi Taylor. Rabbi Taylor, l- close us off here. We're just coming up on the hour with a little bit of devil's advocacy, if you will. You've kind of in a certain way, while very adeptly talking about some of these um, kind of paranormal elements, the the golem and um, the angels and demons, uh, soul and body possession in, in, in Jewish folklore and Jewish thought, um, you've kind of discouraged to a certain sense just to focus on that in the contemporary age. But give us a reason, place to go, and a reason why we should focus on the paranormal in terms of our, uh, our, our Jewish spiritual evolution. First of all, resource, a good resource that you recommend and a, and a reason to study this topic. Sure. Well, I mean, without being, uh, without trying to self-promote, I mean, I, I think a good resource to learn about this topic would be my, my book, The Jewish Guide to the Mysterious, only because it really is, I think, the most thorough compilation in the English, English language of a Jewish guide to all of these topics. Um, I, I think it's important for us to one, – one thing is for certain. There's more to reality than meets the eye. And even if we're not privy to some of the exalted uh, states in which the righteous from earlier generations were able to access, just having the awareness that there is more to reality, mm-hmm. that there is a spiritual element, a spiritual component to this thing we call existence – uh, that it's not just cut and dry, naturalistic, materialistic world, universe. Uh, I think that's an important uh, point, at least to be open to. Yeah, and something um, we I'll, don't talk about as much as I think we, we could and should in the in the Jewish world. Rabbi Pinchas Taylor, thank you for joining us. Check out his book, A Jewish Guide to the Mysterious. We will be back next week on Equal Footing. Thanks, Rabbi. You can-